Hello, welcome back to Peanut Butter Nea Time. You're here with me, Nea, and one of my closest friends, Kelly. Hi. This is Kelly. Um, Kelly, tell us who you are. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kelly. I live in Hong Kong. I'm really, I guess I've talked about myself more, huh? Is it, who are you? <laughs> yeah. What do I say about myself? I'm fun employed. <laughs> She's really fun. She likes Taylor Swift. We're pretty much sisters from another mister. I think and, so. And sister. Yeah. Um, and yeah, keep going. Um, I've been in tech for, I want to say eight years now, mm-hmm. um, but I just lost my job recently. So that's really fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, you born and raised in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but American Korean, mm. not really from Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fraud. Um, but um, okay, yeah, peanut butter. Oh, yeah, how do we meet? So we met on a, a junk. So in Hong Kong, there are these like boat parties. Uh, they're called junks. And we were very lucky to meet two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I've known her forever. Yeah. Thank Old you for thought. being my friend after I asked you for your number. I can't. She has the worst <laughs> memory ever. Such a short-term memory. It actually pains my soul. I was very offended. <laughs> okay, so obviously peanut butter nail time. Mm-hmm. So do you like peanut butter? I do. I like other nut butters more though, which oh. I'm so sorry. You're not like yeah, my first guest, Karina, was like, oh, I like cookie butter. I was like, that's not a nut butter. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm not that. No, no, I don't. You go like that. nut yeah. butters? Okay. No, no, I like nut butters. Don't offend us out here. Okay. Yeah. What um, is your favorite other butter? <laughs> I'm a huge fan of any butter, like a mixed nut butter with pistachios in it, which mm. is quite rare to find. Okay. And the pistachios are they crushed or are they whole? <laughs> <laughs> They're crushed with the rest of the nut butter. Just for reference, we had a very difficult discussion about this <laughs> offline with many misunderstandings. But essentially, the pistachios are crushed into the peanut butter, into the butter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried that. I will give it a try. Mm-hmm. Everyone out there, try it. Yeah. Okay. So today, topics kind of just more conversational. Talking about Kelly and her life. She's very multifaceted. Has had many experiences. A true inspiration to all. I've done that way too many times this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Kelly being a high performing athlete and then also just like her journey of finding herself and happiness. And then also, um, I guess where, where she's at now and a bit about spirituality. So I'd like to touch a little bit on that for everybody mm-hmm. um, after our last, after the last interview. So I think we'll start with high performing athlete. Okay, what was your sport? How did you fall into it? Mm-hmm. I was a competitive swimmer, and I've done it since I was, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember my first swim lesson, six? I think around like seven or eight, someone told my parents I had a lot of potential, and that just streamlined their vision for me. Uh, So I was basically starting to do really intensive training from like third grade, so like eight years old and onwards, yeah. By 10, I was already doing like double sessions. I spent... Did you, did you feel it as well? Did you feel like, oh, I'm a natural, I'm talented at this? I knew I was decent at it. I don't think I was ever the best, but I was pretty decent at it. And I performed like, okay. I was never like number one all the time. I was always like, you know, up up there, there. up there. But I guess good enough that my parents were like, okay, let's keep doing this. Mm. This is working. Yeah. Okay. So then that progressed to you becoming a, like swimming for Hong Kong. 
Eventually. How old were you when you were, like, in that squad? Uh, I joined the junior squad when I was, I think, like, 11. Mm -hmm. Wow, so young. Yeah. So then then once you're in the squad, you're, like, you just have to keep trying out every year? You don't even try out because you're just, like, everyone's doing the same competitions in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So they just know your time. And then, so I wasn't really training with them at 11, but it was, I would go to, like, these, like, swim meets with the Hong Kong, like, junior team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, and then... Your swimming, it took you into the college. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, I guess, where did your swimming journey go? Because you're not you're not an Olympic swimmer now. No. <laughs> we never would have met, even though as much I mean, as I would I have loved to see I am secretly, that. like, the female of Michael Phelps, but, you know, <laughs> I didn't get there. And she got big, big. I, um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, it ended my sophomore year of university. I decided... I don't know if, like, a wake-up call was what I would call it, but I, like, kind of realized I was allowed to quit the sport. So mm. I finally did quit, even though I was recruited to quit the sport. But my coach was, like, super understanding at the time. She's like, oh, yeah, like, it's, if you want to, like, explore your own thing, you swam for us for, like, two seasons. You did what you needed to do, and, yeah, mm. she was happy with me. Was there, like, a moment where you were like, oh, you know what? No, I'm done. Mm. Or was it, like, a gradual thing? I mean, obviously, it was gradual. Yeah, but, like, I think... It definitely accelerated the summer before my sophomore year because I had my first taste of freedom where Mm -hmm. I was like studying abroad in Beijing and I didn't swim essentially for two months. I just did like weights and like dry land and that kind of thing. And then, yeah. And then when I got back to campus, I was like, oh, I'm like really, really unhappy. I think it kind of like coincided with like sophomore slump. Mm -hmm. And then I did a lot of self-work and like reflection on like why I was unhappy. And I kind of like came to like a realization of like, oh, like swimming. And like mm. I didn't want to be doing this. Okay. Yeah. Wait, let's touch on that for a second. So you yeah. did this like internal assessment and understanding. What did you do? I read so many self-help books. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> It was very aggressive. Did you get, like, recommendations from people or you just – and, like, did you get guidance mm-hmm. on what to do or you just kind of, like, uh, Yeah, I just kind of – I remember being really upset one day and I think I have kind of, like, a stubborn mentality of, like, no, I have to fix this. Like, I can't mm-hmm. I can't just sit here anymore and just, like, wallow in my sadness, mm-hmm. um, which is – it's okay to wallow in your sadness. There's always a time and place. But I was just, like, personally frustrated and so – I think the first book I actually read wasn't even related to like swimming. I think I wanted to, it was like about introversion Mm. and I didn't understand what that was. And then it kind of just like opened this like whole galaxy of like, oh, so many self-help books. And I think it was like either through Amazon or like other recommendations. And Mm. I got into the Enneagram that time. That was when I got into the Enneagram. Mm. I understand. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It's good that you like, you know, I mean, yes, it's fine to wallow and do what you got to do, but it was good that you had that. I guess, like, persistence to figure it out for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Just shows a lot about your personality. Um, okay, I think the last thing on, like, this high-performing athlete space is mm-hmm. just what, I guess, how did it shape you as a person being a high-performing athlete for such a long time? Yeah. And I guess, like, where, what do you still, are you like, oh, my God, that's so because of, like, swimming, mm-hmm. the personality traits or things that you do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a few things. And it's also kind of, like, hard at this point to, like, imagine my life having not done it mm-hmm. as much as I didn't like the sport. I think the first one is I have a lot of, like, self-discipline mm-hmm. because of it. I mean, it was, like, I did double sessions every day. Like, I, yeah. you know, you can stick it out and do something you don't like. Then <laughs> you can stick it out and do something you don't like in a lot of areas in life. Um, and so 
I forgot what quote I read recently. What I was basically being like, sometimes what you need to learn from education is just being able to show up and do the boring stuff. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. So I actually have a lot of confidence now. If there's a goal I want to achieve, but it's quite boring to achieve that goal, I know how to do it yeah. and like sit with the boredom. So that's one big thing. Um, and actually going back to way earlier in our discussions about like, you know, my parents pushing me towards that. I found out as an adult, one reason my mom pushed me also into swimming really like a lot was because she was like, you grew up in a very privileged setting. Like you needed to, and I'm an only child. So like, yeah. you know, hashtag spoiled. She was like, I wanted to toughen you up. So that's yeah. why I really pushed you into swimming as a way to toughen. And I think she, like, it worked. It worked. Yeah. I guess because it's like swimming <laughs> such a grind, right? It's such a grind. Mm. Yeah. And you're like all, it's also like mentally you're by yourself for like basically two hours. Like you have no one else you can talk to. Mm. No, you have music to like distract you. So it's literally yeah. like you have to be comfortable with just dealing with your own thoughts. And like, mm. yeah. Does that mean that you're really good at spending time with people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm a very big introvert, also only child. So I'm yeah. very good at being by myself. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's good. Like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think like that experience that you have is something that a lot of people like I worry that a lot of like the newer generation is like saying so I'm saying so, so old, I'm not that old. But like I'm like I'm like I'm the old one, but But cool. like I feel like people nowadays lack grit. Mm-hmm. And grit, I think, is, like, a big thing about life. Like, you need to be able to – it's not always, like, rainbows and butterflies. It's, mm. like, really crap sometimes. Yeah. And you have to just grind through, yeah, the stuff that you don't want to do, right? Mm. It's, like, not just going to have, like, instant everything, like, gratitude for everything. Yeah. Which I think is the sus thing with social media these days. <laughs> but I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole because I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So – Okay, next, oh, the next, next topic is about finding yourself and happiness. Um, I guess, like, since you moved out of swimming, what was – you went through – I know that you've been through, like, a lot of different careers and, like, journeys. I, I think one thing that I find really interesting is, like, how have you – I guess what inspired you to go down these different routes? Like, was it out of – did you start because of you spent all this time, like, as a high-performing athlete doing something, I guess, not – kind of somebody else but stuff that you didn't really love were you like okay now I'm just gonna like one like 180 and go and focus on like everything that I'm interested in like the things I feel like I'm passionate about uh yes definitely I think because I'd only done one hobby for so long mm -hmm. and there, I had all these passions but they were kind of shut down at a young age for me and I was like oh my god the world's like my oyster now so mm -hmm. I just went for everything I jumped from even in college before I graduated I was like oh I'm gonna do photography at the school newspaper I'm gonna do you know mental health I'm gonna do like yoga teaching like mm -hmm. I did all these really oh food was a big phase I had yeah. I was known as like the foodie which is hysterical now because I can't even cook a meal but like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what element of you was a foodie just you eating food no I worked at two food companies I know you did chocolate and meal but still <laughs> She don't cook. <laughs> I don't cook. I get stressed by salad dressing. Like, uh, but yeah. So I did that even within college, and then graduating. I think I was still quite lost. But then, in my mind, the most natural thing was to go into teaching. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing I'm quite self-aware now is when I'm not happy in something, I'm pretty good at being able to identify that now. Mm. So that's why I've like jumped between like five, six different roles at this point because mm -hmm. every time I'm not totally happy with the role I'll like try something else and mm. see if that's a better fit for me and I'm pretty unafraid to do that now yeah because I think 
I look back at something and see how much time I spent on that. Yeah. It's like super critical to me now with the time I have where I'm not swimming to like make good use of it and be like quite yeah. happy with my decision. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I do think I want to touch on the point of like you switching between things and being very confident that like if you're not happy with something you move because I hate I know a lot of people who find it like even to me they're like oh I don't know how you move country so often or you move into xyz and I've always had the mindset like oh I just feel like you can just do it because you set the boundaries on yourself right yeah I think we've both kind of had this mindset but I guess for you what would your advice be to people who are like super scared like they've been working I don't know, in like one stream all their lives and they're super scared to like move into something else I guess what would your advice be? Like, how do you find the confidence to upskill and move into something else? I think uh, the first part of just like, how do you even do that? Or like have the confidence to just move? Like mm-hmm. not even talking about the upskilling part is just nothing. No decision is permanent. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe having a baby is pretty permanent. But like other than that, most decisions, <laughs> one takeaway from today, guys, pretty permanent thing. Um, but in terms of like career, I think it's, yeah, nothing's permanent. So if you go into something, you don't like it, you could always go back to the thing you were mm-hmm. at before. Maybe not the exact role or team. And so you always have to consider that. But I think living with the regret later in life for not having tried something is way more painful than, mm. you know, staying there. So that's kind of the first aspect. And then the second aspect of the upskilling, it's just ridiculous how much content and education is out there. I think a lot of people could say, maybe like a doctor, lawyer, obviously could go get a formal education but there's so many roles out there now where you can just teach yourself and I would say all my roles I kind of taught myself maybe okay. minus teaching I needed a lot more coaching on that mm-hmm. but like everything else is self-taught yeah so yeah. like you just do like online courses yeah and YouTube YouTube yeah. uh YouTube online courses articles and if you really wanted to be proactive about it you could definitely find mentors or a community mm-hmm. or a network that would also help teach you. I remember when I went into coding, I like actively would always go to meetups and like, you know, just meet different coders. And someone added me to this Slack group that was like a Chicago coding Slack group. And there was like 20, 30 people in there and they're all very active. They're all just coders and they were helping each other out. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, really great community. And it was like pure chance. So let's see, that's yeah. like, but that's just like purely from you going out there and networking. Yes. Which yeah. I, to bang on about this in my podcast but like <laughs> I just feel like your your resume is like a small part of it but you actually networking and meeting people is mm-hmm. how you unlock like so many opportunities for yourself and I totally agree with yeah. you I think it's like so true what you said like there's so many resources out there especially like we're so interconnected like I think education is a reasonably more ex- accessible now mm-hmm. like you don't you can really upskill yourself but I guess I think a big part of it though is like confidence I think the first part of what we discussed of like having the confidence to do it. I agree with you. I think with it's just like learning that you can take calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Like so you just like what's the worst that can happen in this situation? For example, you hate the job. It's fine. You have skills. You can go back and do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's interesting. Okay. And then what's been your favorite or actually what's been, I guess, the career job that you've had that helped grow you the most as a person Ooh, good question wait favorite career job or which one helped me grow the most as a person the second one I would say the one that helped me grow the most as a person was when I taught yeah in Southside Chicago okay talk to us more about this yeah. uh 
That one was just because it was so challenging. This kind of actually goes back to the swimming thing of like, you might have really hated something, but it might have like been formative enough in your life to like really change the way you see the world and also like give you confidence. Mm -hmm. So because it was so tough, I was I was a bad teacher my first year in terms of like obviously I had good intentions, but I was so yeah. bad at this like this new environment, the way my school is teaching. I really struggled my first year, and it was really hard, like really really hard. And at the same time, having gone through all that, the skill sets I learned in the classroom and the mental toughness I got from doing that for two years is something that like when I go into any job now, it's not just confidence that I'll even do well, it's just confidence of even just like speaking up for myself. Yeah. Not, you know, setting boundaries. Like that was a huge thing I had to learn for my first job was setting healthy boundaries between my work and my life. And yeah, just the confidence that like, oh, like, because my second year got way, way better. And I was like, oh, I can actually improve in something I'm not even that naturally gifted at. Mm -hmm. So that was like, really important for me to go through that. And now any job I take afterwards, I'm kind of like, not like piece of cake, because I'm not like, naturally yeah. good at any of the jobs I took afterwards. But it was like, oh, I can do this. Like, I can tough it out. And I'm yeah. like, get this done. Mm -hmm. That was probably the most important growth job for me personally. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that you kind of enjoy... It sounds like you like, like with swimming and this job as well, you like to actually somewhat, you like to be in this space where you kind of don't like it, but you, <laughs> but you keep pushing yourself. And my question is, is it like you, when you're going through it, do you just think about the longer term of what you're benefiting from it? Like what drives you to like keep going? Well, swimming wasn't really my choice. Not that swimming, was, not yeah, swimming, not but the, swimming. the teaching one. <laughs> Uh, teaching, I also wanted to quit my first year. I was okay. super close. I think it was like 95% about to quit because it's a two-year program. So yeah. I was going to quit after my first year. And the only reason I stuck it out was because my second year, the way it was set up was like a little easier as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I like, I got this. I just, I wanted to complete it. Yeah. But I knew that was actually a second kind of hard lesson for me where I was like, do not do something if it makes you this unhappy. Because mm -hmm. I was very unhappy with the two years as well. But I wanted to stick through the commitment to like mm. finish the program. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're yeah. you're a finisher. I'm a finisher. She's a finisher. Yeah, but I didn't like yeah. my other jobs were like I was much happier on my other job. What inspired you to teach though? Because you said it came naturally to you. Did not come naturally. I was doing yoga teaching in um, college, mm -hmm. and I think the thing I loved about it was like the creativity around like forming a class while at the same time you're helping people like those are two kind of like big kind of I guess like values I really cared about in my yeah. life so I wanted to bring that but obviously to like sorry yoga teaching is a very valid job but I was like I want to also explore like what other career paths there are and I was mm -hmm. like oh school teacher like um I love teaching kids and which I did also in college or not college oh yeah college where I like taught kids like yeah. a curriculum for like three months that I designed so I enjoyed that and yeah, I like the creative aspect of like creating like courses and that kind of thing. So that's why I chose teaching initially because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, those are the things I like. That you were interested in. You liked. Yeah, at the okay. time. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I don't think I could ever teach. It's hard. I'm <laughs> so impatient. My mom was like. <laughs> it is like a lot of behavioral management, yeah. which I did not expect. My mom was expect. like, nope, you cannot <laughs> do that. <laughs> I'd just be like, sit down. 
<laughs> I'd be that, that teacher from um, Matilda. <laughs> What's her name? That's Miss, a great book. I don't yeah. know. Miss, um, doesn't matter. We're going to move on because that will take me like at least 10 minutes to figure out. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess one of my other questions is, um, so having done all these different things, going through being like super regimented as a swimmer and like having a lot of discipline in that space and then mm-hmm. doing all these different career jobs, um, obviously your life hasn't been, well, I don't think it's obvious, but your life seems to have not been like super planned out mm-hmm. like in the later years. Mm-hmm. So I, in my podcast, talk a lot about like not planning so much and just like kind of going with the flow, which is what I've learned over time from my experiences. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on that after your life so far? I love the thought of going with the flow <laughs> but do you think it's like easy to execute maybe I don't know if it's easy to execute because I think humans love the feeling of safety right so mm-hmm. we're always looking for like a very defined roadmap and path actually sorry I shouldn't I'm saying humans but then again there's some people who love like yeah. no safety so I think in terms of like execution of going with the flow because sometimes you're like okay here's that advice but like what does that actually mean yeah I think one way to approach it is like creating a system of going with the flow where like you're constantly checking in with yourself and like evaluating like how you're feeling about things or mm. like you know doing like it doesn't sound so tech nerdy of me but like retrospectives frequently on your yeah. life like every you know two three months just like check in evaluate all the areas of your life so it is going with the flow in the sense that like you're going with what feels right for your life mm-hmm. but you're being very intentional and planned around it mm-hmm. like you're not just kind of like chilling at home and hoping something shows up at your agreed, door agreed. yeah you have to like proactively create the life you want you can't just kind of like sit passively and yeah go with the flow in that sense yeah agreed I think it's a good definition and like structure that you put around it because I probably see it the same way and when I say like go with the flow yeah it's too broad and can be a bit too flattening of like a concept for some people agreed commercial break bringing to you shadows (laughs) shadows by Kelly and Tara what does your channel say about you my shadow I'm tired. <laughs> what is your shadow saying? My shadow says always apply an SPF 30 when you're going swim. My shadow says maybe even SPF 50 plus. My shadow says I don't think anything is different after 30 plus on SPF. Oh my god, I think Australians would beg to differ. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like 50 plus is a difference. Okay, 30 plus is like quite where I put like 30 plus on one arm and 50 plus on the other arm. You do that and let <laughs> me know how that goes for you. <laughs> And you enjoy that tan line for the rest of the summer. <laughs> okay, um, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So last question on, in this part is, um, what advice would you give your younger self? It's going to be slightly off topic, but I'm going to genuinely advise this to anyone who is like in their younger years is get as financially educated as possible. Mm-hmm. I know that's like a weirdly broad statement to make, but I'll dial it down a little bit more, which is learn about investing, you know, learn about different assets and how you can grow your wealth, learn about passive income, different types of income streams, multiple income streams. Like I wish someone had told me at a young age that like no job is safe. And I think not to freak anyone out, but especially in the state and age with so much changing with AI and education systems are changing. 
I think it's something to always keep in mind and just always be willing to constantly learn and evolve and yeah. like build your wealth. Totally agree. It's good. Yeah. Because I, I, something I always say is like, I wish in high school they had more practical financial classes. Okay. They actually taught you things like tax. Cause like, I'm like, um, big thing for me is like, cause I used to work in a debt collecting call, call center. Mm-hmm. Big thing is like how to manage your like credit cards your loans like so many people i'm like you don't get taught this in high school and then when you're 18 suddenly you can get this credit card and then so many people find themselves like in trouble or just like never had that financial literacy to understand like what to do and like how to manage that yeah and so people fall into and i was like this is what you should be teaching me not certain things that i don't need to know yeah agreed i agree with you like i feel like every school should have a financial every literacy single school like but even they, just senior year do you think they also don't do it because they want you to do it Ooh, that's a deep that's like one of those youtube videos where we do like a deep like you know conspiracy conspiracy seriously it's a thing yeah um okay let's move away from that we're not okay. gonna become different episode different episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i would say before we move into like spirituality talk i would want to like to know what drives you now and where like, what things are you interested in at the moment in terms of, like, careers? Like, so considering you're, like, unemployed, right? Mm-hmm. You have, like, a new kind of refresh, reset, clean slate to kind of, like, reconsider whether you do want to go into coding still or you want to look into other spaces. Mm-hmm. So many areas. Mm-hmm. I think kind of what I alluded to earlier of why I went into teaching and realized it was not the right place for me. I still hold on to those, like, two core aspects of myself. And it's manifested in different ways throughout my career. Mm-hmm. So the first being like creativity and just designing things. I, I always loved doing that. So, you know, doing having done like UI UX design, that's been a really fun, like, you know, career and job to explore for myself. And also like in my personal life, I'll do like music or art and that kind of thing. So I still kind of hold on to that mm-hmm. in terms of how I, would I want to continue with that career, like career path I don't know so I'm still like exploring that because I also do realize I like to be creative independently for myself as well so that's always like been this like weird balance in my life yeah and then the other part from teaching is I really like helping people Mm. that's a huge I think part of me that I still hold on to which is like when I went into UI UX design or front end you know engineering it was really lovely my favorite part was like creating products that people love to use and it's also like it helps them Mm. So I still really like that aspect and I want to hold on to that. And then also when I became a people manager at my last job, I really liked that because I was Mm -hmm. like coaching people. I was helping them like, you know, improve or just making sure like if they have burnout, like how do they get through it? So I really like that. So I think I'm kind of also exploring, you know, do I want to go more into management or go into coaching or yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of, it's quite a fun space. There's a lot of spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It sounds like one of your pillars is like, yeah, like helping people, but like being like impactful as well. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Cool. Okay, moving into spirituality. Don't spirituality know. Dance. Don't know. We got spirituality. Dance. Shadows are spiritual. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a question. Okay, so last time I had a guest on Karina, we were talking about what spiritual like spirituality and kind of like her view on it. So I guess my first question for you was like, what spirituality means for you? I was not fully prepared. <laughs> time okay maybe like how do you what things do you do to practice mindfulness spirituality and all that sure 
uh, I think spirituality for me is just connecting with the world. So just kind of the oneness you feel with the world. Mm -hmm. And so anything I practice that makes me feel like that would kind of fall under, you know, the spirituality area. So that could range from, you know, walks in nature to meditating Mm -hmm. to actually doing like creative stuff for me is actually quite spiritual in a way. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, my brain neurons like created this thing. That's a really cool thing to experience, Mm -hmm. you know. So in terms of, I think one thing I wanted to touch on with you was like the mindfulness aspect and the mindfulness meditation. I'm (laughs) having done like, like that was my senior thesis in college. So I know like a lot about it from an academic perspective and even like from a neurological perspective because I like did fMRI scans but in terms of actually daily practice I should be better about it but it's still okay I incorporate it into like many moments in my life yeah and yeah. I think I went my discussion with Karina last time because I was saying to her like oh my meditation is like working out she was and I and then she's like yeah that's fine like everybody mm-hmm. has like spirit like mindfulness in a different way because I was like I'm not very good at sitting down and just like breathing yeah even I mean like I can breathe but it's my mind still like is like wandering and doing things whereas I feel like when I work out I just am very good at like zoning and just focusing on like that mm-hmm. and for me it gives me like makes me calm and gives me I don't know just makes me feel like I've just done something for myself yeah yeah so and like connected um so I guess for you like creativity might be one of those things so I think you're quite creative like every day even if when you like just think of like random thoughts yeah and ideas yeah um but speaking about your thesis so what was the actual topic it's like a mouthful of a title (laughs) I basically looked at people who went through a mindfulness meditation program for eight weeks Mm -hmm. and was doing like a pre and post analysis of their brains Mm -hmm. and like the neuronal density and one psychological metric I was curious about measuring, this is a whole like wormhole, which I won't go into this podcast, but I was curious about whether people were like more creative mm-hmm. after they went through the program. The problem with this from a scientific standpoint is that creativity is like not, it's really hard to measure and define. Yeah, like, I was about to ask It's you very philosophical. It. Oh, yeah. I could go on like for an hour about this. Okay. Which I will. <laughs> okay. not, not today. Not today, kiddos. It's a comment below oh, if you want the hour oh, podcast. <laughs> But um, but it still was really fascinating to learn about. And my hypothesis of, like, why I think people who, like, started incorporating mindfulness meditation would become more creative was because mindfulness meditation, you're noticing your thoughts. And what, you know, a big benefit of noticing your own thoughts is you notice when you're judgmental. Mm. So that's kind of one really helpful thing. The other thing is you're just calmer and more present. And so when you're more present, you're able to, like, listen for connections in your brain just be more open-minded which is you know all these things are really great for creativity and helping you kind of form those connections and like aha moments whereas if you're like kind of preoccupied with something you know that's going to impede the creative like kind of thinking that you want Mm. interesting so then when you did your uh experiment was your mindfulness action just meditation like that the Oh, yeah. So they went through an eight week. But that was just like, what sort of, med- was it just meditation? Like, what it's, sort of, I guess, what's yeah, what was it? it's, it's called mindfulness meditation. It's um, the person who kind of like, per- like created the program. It's called MBSR, mm-hmm. Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction. 
and it's created by this guy named um, John Kabat-Zinn. And so it's like an eight-week program. They'll do everything from like walking meditation, sitting meditation, oh, so eating meditation, hatha okay. yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, so these people who went to an eight-week program, they would just have to do something every day. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think I forgot how many classes. I never actually did it. I think I did like a CD version of it, but it's like mm-hmm. not CD. But it was like. <laughs> me it's fine <laughs> um but it was like I think they went to like maybe two sessions a week or three but then they had homework like they had to go home every day and meditate for like 45 minutes or something okay, like that's that. interesting. yeah mm. so then I guess from your tastes and your experience with mindfulness speaking to a layman mm-hmm. and like somebody who was interested in like the idea of mindfulness and how we tap into more like the creative mind mm-hmm. what sort of advice would you give of small things that someone can do to be mindful just mindfulness like in general yeah 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 i think like let's say kind of what you mentioned earlier like we don't like sitting Mm -hmm. and being mindful again mindfulness just comes down to like being aware of the present moment and also being aware of your thoughts as they come in Mm -hmm. and being able to notice that they're taking you away from the present moment Mm -hmm. so as long as you practice that in whatever activity you're doing you're basically so if you're just walking down the streets to work, you know, for 10 minutes, you could practice mindfulness. Or if you're running on treadmill for 10 minutes, if you're really paying attention to, you know, your bodily sensations, like your breath, and not focusing on the thoughts at all, mm-hmm. you're just really focusing on the experience, then you're practicing mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You can even, like, listen to, like, your favorite album for, like, an hour. Yeah. As And again, it's as long as you, like, any time a thought comes into your brain and you notice there's a thought and you're like, okay, stay free, and you, like, let it go, mm-hmm. that's mindfulness. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll practice that more when I'm at the gym. Yeah. So I don't have to focus then on lifting the weight <laughs> and not having a thought? Or is lifting you, you the focus or is lifting purely the weight, on lifting the weight. Or is yeah. lift, thinking about lifting the weight a thought? No. <laughs> Do you want a fun game? <laughs> Total tangent. Okay. She's scared. No, it's like there's a type of meditation. This isn't mindfulness meditation, but it's like it's called like almost like a meta like meditation where it's like you notice the thought, and then you ask yourself, who is noticing that? I noticed that thought. And you just kind of go into this, like, inception-type awareness of your brain. Yeah, maybe. It's a little bit much. Maybe yeah. let's not. Let's all not, <laughs> let's all not try that. Focus on what you're doing right now. <laughs> that might be, yeah, might have a lot of people being like, eh. Okay. But going back to the weightlifting, the weightlifting example, you would, to be mindful for weightlifting, you would just really feel every move you're doing so you're mm-hmm. hyper aware of like i don't know if you're doing like a i'm so completely lost okay so like say i'm doing actually if the big thing when you weight lift or like mm-hmm. you're, you're doing weight training is like mind muscle connection yes so if i'm doing mind muscle connection i'm thinking exactly about that glute that i'm working when i do that squat yeah. then that's being mindful correct so like if any distraction thought yeah. comes in you kind of like notice it mm-hmm. but then refocus on your glute mm-hmm. then yeah yeah it's kind of mindfulness yeah I'll activate my brain. <laughs> but then I like, then like when I work out, I listen to music or a podcast sometimes. Or mm. Then I'm like, but I'm not actually thinking about anything. I'm just like listening. I think maybe the music, if you were kind of still hyper-focused on the glute, that could still be mindfulness because you're just kind of there, right? Yeah. Versus I think when you're doing a podcast, you're probably focusing on the podcast and not it's your true. glute anymore. Yeah. I kind of so stop I would listening say to the podcast because... 
I kept laughing mid squat. <laughs> it was very dangerous. I was like laughing mid squat. I was trying to breathe as well. I've stopped doing that podcast because mm. it makes me laugh too much. But um, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, any parting words? Um, I don't know. Mm. Nothing. Nothing in particular. Just practice Stay mindfulness, cool. everyone. Practice mindfulness. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thanks for coming on to the podcast. No problem. The good old pod. Got Helped. anything you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> I do offer coaching. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. She does. She does. She's an awesome coach. Thank you. Coach is nice. <laughs> I try. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming. And 